0: This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. It's a miracle it's got off the ground in the first place, Scott Owen.
1: Adam, that's Parker Free. Put some respect on the home of Queensland Football.
0: And Adam Pace.
2: Look, I think what other choice do you have?
0: Starting now. And we're back. It's been, safe to say, a very, very eventful last fortnight in Southeast Queensland and the Brisbane Football Review has come back after a week off. Hello everyone, it is James, Scott and Adam with you on this Wednesday evening as we try and get back into the rhythm of recording. Adam, how are you going? I'm good. Uh, Obviously
2: we're in biblical times with floods and uh, babies and uh, I don't know what the plague is but we'll we'll figure it out.
0: Scott, which of those applies to you?
1: Uh, None of the above thankfully but congratulations to yourself James and your partner Mm. Beck on the arrival last week. Glad to see young Tom as a is happy and healthy and I'm sure hopefully we might hear from him later on
0: yes thank you to the two of you and for the uh well wishes we got on the social accounts as well we're six days into it and um well we're surviving I think that's the important thing it's a eye-opening learning experience but thankfully I've got an expert with me so it's not going to be too bad I think and (laughs) and of course yes. so that was the arrival of my uh son Thomas so uh if there are any Raw fans listening, let's just say he was named after Broich and not my grandfather, because that'll just get us some extra brownie points too.
2: Oh, another Tom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, oh, th- there's about six or seven. I've left myself open to many a jokes um, <laughs> about that. But it, well, it was, I have to say, quite uh, nice seeing all the uh, congratulations flowing through in the days afterwards. And it was a nice little uh, positive spin on what has been otherwise... Let's be honest, a fairly depressing uh fortnight of news with the flooding going around southeast Queensland and so many uh of the local football clubs bearing the brunt of mother nature's wrath at them.
2: Yeah, it's um like I said it, well, for your personal news is a sort of a, you know, a bit of joy because yeah the um so the scenes that we saw across the you know a couple of weeks ago across sort of the football landscape was you know it was, it was very tough to watch seeing you know grounds that i know that we have all stepped in you know that we've all you know watched games for and some we haven't we've seen for the first time you know underwater it's it's unimaginable what um what sort of took place and look i suppose the the, the silver lining is that you know clubs are starting to get back on their feet that the community as a whole have come together right behind these clubs so some of the scenes that you know a you know, place like you know, Wolves where you know, have 400 volunteers come in and clean up you know same similar sort of numbers for, for uh, Brisbane City and, uh, and and East as well so at least the football community you know has been galvanised uh, sort of by what has been sort of a really retrying really time so so yeah and look we, we just hope that uh we all get back to normal for We can call. We keep on seeming to say, you know, when's
0: normal going to come back? For sure. And Scott, I think uh, you would echo this sentiment saying, um, yeah, it has been probably one of the most heartening parts of all the uh, devastation with the club, seeing the just armies of volunteers trying to help them get back on their feet and uh, get the volunteers uh, just donating their time and all sorts of other stuff as well.
1: Absolutely, it's one thing we know about the South East Queensland football community, James. It's incredibly resilient and inc- incredibly giving, and at times like this, it doesn't matter what your club affiliations are. We've seen people from clubs who haven't been affected as much as others who've gone and, su- and help, provided support and help in any way they can to the clubs who have been more greatly impacted. I echo Adam's thoughts about the scenes that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. It's been absolutely devastating, and I'm sure we'll see football back soon enough. They are grounds that I've played on some of these grounds growing up as a kid, and we've obviously mm-hmm. The three of us have been out and about covering the NPL and other competitions at these grounds, and they're places we all always enjoy going to, and hopefully we'll be back at them in the not-too-distant future. And I did say, actually, on the um, on the season preview, James, that to get out and support your local clubs, now more than ever, that is something that people absolutely should do because they're going to be hurting for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and we'll, get, we'll touch on um, the competition-specific ramifications for the NPL and FQPL competitions. A little bit later on, but I I will say while I may have a vested interest in people watching the uh, live streams of all these games, I would happily uh, pass up a larger viewing audience to have a better in-ground attendance as well, because let's be be honest, Adam, I think you can uh, probably uh, confirm more than anyone else. Some of these clubs have phenomenal canteens as well and put on a pretty good show for the uh, NPL and FQPL Saturday or Sundays or even Fridays out at the football
2: Absolutely, um, and like I said, it is like I said, it, it more than ever. As, as Scott said, get out and support your club. Like I said, you won't be disappointed. Uh, I've had many of uh, many of a uh, of a meal at uh, a lot of these grounds, and look, they're they're all they're all very good, and um, the hospitality there as well. And they're, they're gonna they're gonna need um, our help um, over, over the coming you know, months, even years in some cases. So. You know, like I said, if, if in any other way, you know, if you don't have the money now to, to support this, certain clubs have got, they've got GoFundMe pages and whatnot, but the best way that everyone can contribute is just go, go to the ground. You know, you know, buy something for the canteen, you know, support your club. You know, I think that that's probably the most important
0: message coming out of this. For sure. And um, yeah, so that, that might be uh, our overarching message throughout the NPL season. Coming up is uh, get out to as many of these games in person as you can because, well, that's going to be probably the most beneficial course of action as well, giving these clubs uh, sustained income and whatnot as well. Now, on to the show itself, which we did take last week off for two reasons as it so happened. There really wasn't a whole lot of uh, football to talk about and, of course, we I was kind of occupied with the baby being born who... You may hear our uh, brand new expert producer uh, chiming in at some point this afternoon as we're recording, but we'll see how we go. Uh, so this is the Brisbane Football Review on Clutch Radio. Very pleased to have you joining us as we go along and we'll do our usual plugs. Obviously, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, Review at gmail.com, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter at BNEFootball and... After years of wondering what we'd actually do with it, we've finally gotten around to establishing an Instagram. So, Adam, um, you were you basically uh, signed us up for that, and uh, I'm assuming you're going to follow through on the uh, promise of no bikini photos of any of the three of us on our feed. Oh, you betcha! <laughs> you betcha! <laughs> no one wants to see us. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how can people find us on our Instagram page? Um, that's it. Oh, geez. Pick me up here. Um, yeah, yeah so Brisbane
2: follow Fo- us, uh, Brisbane Football Review, lowercase, all one word, uh, on on Instagram. Uh, like I said we will have have our usual
0: updates uh, and a couple of other extras, which
2: we're still trying to work out.
0: We'll get there there eventually. Um, Scott, have you actually logged into the Instagram account
1: yet? I have not. My Instagram feed is probably (laughs) one of the most dormant accounts you're going to find. I think I've used it in about 12 months, so I will get on there at some point. I can't guarantee when that will be, but at some point I will.
0: Yes, well, speaking of getting out to the uh, local clubs when the local season starts back up, I'm sure we'll be getting plenty of uh, photos of the action at the grounds and uh, maybe even get a special segment of Adam's Canteen Reviews. Oh, that uh, was on the, the, uh, the whiteboard. Yeah, there we go. We'll just have to see what happens. Uh, if you're listening to us on Clutch, Clutch Radio, we are also available via podcast, A-League Live app, um, Apple Podcasts, Wooshka, Spotify, and several other good podcast platforms as well. All right. We've been going for almost 10 minutes now, so I think we probably should talk about some actual football has been going on and go into what is our bread and butter with Brisbane Raw Football Club. And we'll start off with a recap of the A-League men's action. And the Raw went down to Gosford and unfortunately lost to the Mariners for the first time since April 2014, Scott. 2-1 defeat.
1: Uh, What, down in Gosford, is it? Uh, Just
0: lost or all up to the Mariners for the first time. I'm not sure about that.
1: I know this is the third time they've lost to the Mariners in Gosford and the other two were in the Mariners Championship winning year so it's been a long time since the Raw haven't brought back the points from from down there at Central Coast Stadium and in fairness they probably didn't deserve the points on Saturday afternoon did they? The Mariners were pretty good and they took their opportunities and the Raw didn't so it's been a while since they haven't come away with points from there but you've got to give the Mariners credit they played pretty well.
0: Yeah unfortunately Adam it was just a case of the Mariners were the better side on the day, the raw couldn't really get themselves into the game until it was a little bit too late. Yeah,
2: look, uh, it was the uh, April 2014 the streak of 20 of uh, 20 matches that the raw last lost to Central Coast Mariners, and it was 2013 last time they lost the game at um, on in Gosford. So they're school-aged children; that have not seen the raw lose at at Central Coast Stadium. So that's uh, a streak gone. But yeah, onto the game itself. Um, look, I think it came down to Mariners took their chances, uh, exported a few mistakes from uh, the Raw, and they made to pay. The Raw couldn't come back. I think that's the summation of that. Yeah, you know, congratulations to um, congratulations to the Mariners.
0: And there we go. Scott did just remind us as well. They did technically lose to the Mariners on penalties in the FFA Cup Cup. at Redcliffe, but uh, we'll just keep Cup these going. stats. To, yep, keep the stats to the A League men. Mostly because that way it just saves us looking a little bit stupid. Um, so the goals, uh, Benny and Cololo, damn, he's good. Um, and then Nikolai Muller had the deflected free kick before Juan Lascano got one back for the Raw. But arguably the most notable uh, storyline for Brisbane from this match came from the return of their club captain, Tom Aldridge, Scott.
1: Yes, he's back after the th- first game in the league since the semi-final last year against that they played in a couple of cup games earlier he's had a, ter- a terrible run of injury hasn't he over the first half of the season Just hasn't quite been able to get himself fully right and then the stoppage of the season for the raw put a put paid to him tends to coming back Then he got I think, another injury after that so it's been a very disjointed start to the year for him but I think it's fair to say James that the raw they desperately need a leader like that in their backline I know the backline's done pretty well this year but at times like this you need your leaders in the side to stand up and he was pretty good First game back on Saturday afternoon. He will get better, but the raw really needed him back, and it's good to see him back on the field.
0: And it did also mark a change in formation as well, Adam, with the raw going to a back three or possibly a back five with uh, Aldred joining uh, the central defensive uh, pairing, as well as um, Brown and Zabala as wing backs.
2: It's just pretty telling that um, after after pretty much go all season with with pretty much the four. Um, four defenders or two centre-backs that, you know, Tom Aldridge comes back and they go back to three centre-backs and I think that just shows how how much the defensive structure is built around is built around him that, you know, basically the whole formations are being accommodated to um to, to make way for him. So, um yeah, I, I think uh, it, it, it did show it did show at times, you know, that there was a bit of sort of, you know, rustiness and a bit of, you know, a, a bit of sort of unfamiliarity. I know, um, Luis filling who was filling in for um, an injured Jack Inget. Uh he uh, he came in uh, and yeah, like I say, he again he was he was serviceable again, but uh, he did get caught out a couple of times. Like Benny Nicolau, especially, uh, sort of you know, did did create a few issues uh, down that side of the pitch.
0: And uh, at the other end of the pitch was Luke Ivanovich leading the line on his own, and uh, probably did follow on uh, what we saw in that game down in Tasmania, Scott, where. Uh, Lascano was hooked quite early.
1: He was. We'll get to him later on, but he did bounce back quite well. But Ivanovic in that game down in, in Lanzarote two weeks ago was quite good when he came on. So I thought it was a it was the natural evolution of his return to the side to to be at the, the focal point. He was pretty good, and I was surprised Cyrus Demi wasn't involved after he came on to replace Lascano in the last game. But I do think Ivanovic was quite good Remember we were talking about it last two weeks ago on the show, James. He was the player. I know all three of us thought would be the Raw's best part to goal and the player who they needed to build the attack around and it seems like Warren Moon's taken that approach
0: yeah it certainly does uh, seem like I suppose it also helps having more players uh, to call on than you actually need to fill out a squad but it does basically give Moon um, a little bit more I suppose flexibility saying well if you're not going to perform you're not going to play which I feel like has been a bit of a issue for him this season where it's if you're available you're going to play and maybe he'd prefer to adopt the former strategy
2: yeah it's um yeah it's sort of it's starting to come together where now all of a sudden um that's that Warren Moon's getting a full squad and they're right and there's sort of true competition for places um yeah it's going to be interesting how that goes the moment, I think it's a real issue is the attack at the moment whether yeah, you know, Ivanovich you know is you know is preferred over Lacar and, and don't forget you know, Nicola Moly is needs to come back at some point as well so um yeah it, it's it's sort of uh, I would say it's a good problem to have but then you need someone to actually you know deliver and at the moment uh, I think the attack is probably the most uh, is the part where the raw are really sort of struggling to really you know, make any uh, impact
1: I' suppose it's a good one because in that front though, if they are going to play this three five two off five three two and it's two up top. You've got Ivanovic, who's in the side now, alongside Henry Hoare. You've got Miljkovic, who's been the team's top goalscorer yet to come back in, and Rio Wada, who probably is going to be in that mix as well, in there as, in that front too. So, do, the, do they have to rechange it again, James, to accommodate those three players in the front third, or rather when they come off the bench? It's very interesting because we just spoke about this last or oh, two weeks ago. I keep taking last week; it was two weeks ago. That was with the that was with the idea it was going to be a four three three formation. If they're going to go to a two up top, that does change things a little bit in terms of who that two is because I think... I, I honestly am not sure who who you would choose out of those three to, if it's in three into two. Maybe why they can play in the midfield role, but if it's three into two, that's a tough choice. It'll be if good because... We... I hope they can actually get this full team on the, on the park at some point because they've got Hingert who's unavailable, Connor Chapman's not available yet, and kind of truan's out with injury. I'd just really like to see this Brisbane Raw team at its absolute best to see exactly how strong it can be because... The component parts, James, just it can be a really good team, but we haven't haven't seen it together as one yet. And I'd really like to see that at some point.
0: And and that, I suppose, is where my big question lies now is, you know, I I firmly believe this is a better side than their ladder position suggests they are. And like a lot of things this year, there are so many external factors that have gone into um, why the Raw are sitting where they are. But you look at the, you know clear struggles on the road it's now one point from a possible 24 in the league uh this season and yeah it it was interesting um before we move on we might actually get the thoughts of warren moon on this match in his press conference
3: obviously do do you feel like the the ladder position is is accurate for you guys or do you feel like it's been a bit skewed by obviously those away trips at the start of the season you've obviously had a couple of home games sort of postponed that you've got to play later in the year do you think that perhaps isn't an accurate reflection
0: of where you guys are at no i think the ladder never lies and uh you know i'm not going to sit here and make any excuses we uh right now we're the worst team in the a-league based on the ladder and we don't want to be there and we're uh we're as a group we're working really hard to fix that and we want to try and put a, a string of wins together to climb up the ladder um and uh like I said, we're going to work very hard to try and do that. That's uh, it's not good enough where we're at. We uh, we can talk about all the positives, but again, when you find ways or you ma- manage to keep losing games, we need to uh, we need to find ways to arrest that and, and, and fix this quickly. And that was uh, Brisbane Royal coach Warren Moon after the match, talking about what he'd seen unfold. And yeah, for me, the the attack is what still needs to be solved, which. I, yeah, for me, they are a better side than their ladder position suggests, but at some point, you are what your results say you are, and something clearly needs to be settled. And, you know, this is now where you'd be hoping someone like an Ivanovic, even a Lascano, uh, or just pretty much anyone else, can come on and say, you know, I deserve to be in the starting 11, rather than, oh, we'll just wait and see who might... Like who stands out or who might be the best option for this week? Because at some point, a player is going to have to ha- make Moon's decision for him, rather than just letting uh, just letting them try and put the best case forward.
2: Well, we thought for a while that if we got injured, that nah, Nicola Mullins was the one that put his hand up and said, "I'm going to lead the line." Even though he's probably not um, he's not a classic, you know, number nine, you know, he's more of a winger, but he was the one that seems to be his his combination with Joe Shea seemed to be, you know, the, the one that was netting the best results. And I think the problem with the Raw at the moment is is that their home form is not bad. The problem is is that their waveform is so is so rancid. That it puts all, all the pressure onto the home form. Um, it it and obviously because they're playing, you know, a couple of home a home game, and then a couple of away games and whatnot. It's it's a real inconsistency in in the form. So I, I'm not sure why or what has has caused that because you know the raw playing at home have not been too bad. Even their losses, other than the probably the game against Adelaide where they were you know at the end of a very very busy streak, and you could probably tell they were pretty much gassed as as a team. Um, their home form has been pretty good, but their, their away form has been absolutely, you know, atrocious. I, I can't think of another word for it. I, I, and, and I think that's, that's what's really sort of, you know, putting the impact as far as, you know, this the, you know, the epitaph on this season.
0: Well, I, I forget which one of you two said this early on. It might have been you, Scott, where possibly playing on the road, having that same-day travel, which we know we know took it out of the playing squad and probably the support staff as well it's almost like it's now gotten into their heads a little bit but they do just look like such a different team playing at home compared to when they have to travel the games we've seen at Morton Daly Stadium they look free-flowing that like lately uh, maybe not that first game against Adelaide but that had some other stuff going on too but yet, at home, it's free-flowing, It's there's energy, there's a buzz about the way they play. When they're on the road, it feels like everything is just such a grind. And, you know, maybe it is just something in their match matchday preparation that has them not firing on all cylinders.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a mindset or a preparation thing or what it is, but certainly there's a clear difference between the way the team performs at home and on the road. Because you're right, in the first 10 minutes of pretty much every game at home this season, they've been on the front foot going at the opposition team and they've quite often scored early goals at home as well so they've been able to do that and I think there's something in that. I'm not sure what it is if there's something they can take from what they do for a home match preparation that they're not doing it. they might be able to do away from them I'm not I'm not sure what it is but there's certainly something clearly different between the two ways that they start the games in particular but back to the table I'm, I'm one more I don't think the table lies after at this point of the season James the table does not lie we're well over halfway through the season now, teams are where they are based on the results that they've acquired. And I do think on talent, the Raw have the potential to be further up the table than they are. Obviously, I think we all picked them to be much better than they have been. But I think at the moment, the way that the way that they've gone, particularly on the road, the table doesn't lie.
0: And just, yeah, looking at the numbers now, though, like they're in 12th place on 11 points. Based on the match that is unfolding on my TV screen right now, the Mariners are going to stay on 14 points. Um, Perth are only one point ahead of them. Like They string two wins together and catch up their game in hand on uh, the Wanderers, Mariners, etc. Like all of a sudden, they're nipping on the heels of Sydney FC in sixth place. Now, I, as we said, I think this is a better side than what their results have shown. But uh, the time is running out for them to show that.
1: And that's where I think they are. I don't think they're a million miles away from the rest of the competition. I just think they're slightly behind that chasing pack. And to your point, they get a couple of results in the next week or so. They can very easily find themselves moving up the table and into that race for a top six spot. So I don't think everything's completely lost. I don't think they're playing well away from home. That's a fact. But at home, they've got a couple of games coming up over the course of this month. So... If they can win those home games, they can move up the table and put themselves into a position where they could play finals. So they're not a million miles away, but right now, at this point in the season, the table doesn't lie. You're where you are for a reason.
0: Exactly. And just on that as well is we do know that last year they did go on a bit of a run uh, in the back half of the season when they actually started to have something resembling a consistent uh, flow of games because it has been such a disrupted... Um, build up to the season. I think right now we're officially on match week 16, maybe 17. Uh, 18, I think we are. Uh... Okay, there we go. So it's match week 18. So You've
1: done well to keep up with that, by the way.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, I've been updating the uh, fixtures on the blog at work. Well, I was up until a week ago. And yeah, it's it's been all over the place. Again, largely due to circumstances beyond the control of the APL, APL with the whole global pandemic and biblical flooding uh, taking place. But um, yeah, that to me says it all as well, is where at some point these guys are just going to have the opportunity to fall into a rhythm and um, and play. Now, one last point we do want to make uh, on this game as well is on the goal scored by Juan Lascano, who the, that was for me as much, if not more so, about a beautiful cross from Jay O'Shea and just a well-placed header from Lascano after he came on as a substitute. Adam,
2: yeah, I think uh, pretty much is a case of Jo O'Shea just put that put that cross on the money, and and while while Lascano, he pretty much just had to just direct his head. Um, and, and put it in, but uh, look, and that, that takes a certain bit of um, credit. We don't want to give Jay O'Shea everything because at the end of the day, one's kind of had to be there. And I think that's also, as well, fundamentally where the raw needs to sort of get better. And you see, is Shea at the moment? He, as a playmaker, has just you know been yeah, you, know, you know been brilliant. And I think the problem is, is that at the moment, is the players around him are either you know half a yard behind or half. A yard, you know, you know, in front of where it need, they need to be. So that's something that probably they need to work on. Um, and that and that goal on um, on Saturday was perfect illustration of what happens when he does get on
0: the money and someone's there. And they're on the same page, Scott.
1: Absolutely, and it was it, it was a great assist to me. It was about the assist from Shea that goal. But going to give credit to off offer for bouncing back after being dragged pretty early in the game against Perth two weeks ago. No one was really sure what was. Going to happen? Would he? Would he play? Would he play in this game? Would he start? Would he come off the bench? Well, he came off the bench and actually looked quite lively, didn't he? Was probably one of his more impactful games, not just with the goal. His all-round performance was pretty good. So, as a bounce-back performance from Juan Luscano that was that was really good, and that's what you want to see from him. He's a player who clearly still has the hunger and the desire to compete and to perform and to earn his spot back in this team. It was great to see, and hopefully we can see more of it in the future weeks because the Roar are going to need an outlet in front of goal, and he might be the man. We'll have to wait and see.
0: And with his size, um, you know he is going to at least be able to function as that target man striker. And maybe now that he's had some time healthy with his teammate, they might start to learn, okay, these are the, these are where he likes to make his run, so that's where we've got to put the ball. And with someone like O'Shea who can put the ball on a string, like, or on a spot, maybe that's something that uh, will become a slightly more reliable option for them going forward. However, it did also uh, spark this email. And just a reminder, if you ever want to get in touch um, with us, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. And if it's a good email, we will read it out. Uh, You've got to at least have four or five platitudes about how amazing we are before we uh, (laughs) put it on air. Uh, But, um, yes, we had one from Leon S., who, uh, yeah, I won't read the uh, platitudes on air, but thanks for the compliments. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts on the Lascano goal and the lack of celebration against the Mariners. It was a great goal and got the Roar back into the contest. So why such a subdued response? Whilst I don't expect the guys to be happy with the way things are going, the lack of celebration suggests something more. And nobody from the Roar was interviewed at the end of the game or did I miss it amongst the wall-to-wall Central Coast Mariners uh, promo. Thanks, Leon. Well, that actually was a very good point and something that, you know, I have to admit... I didn't notice in the moment. I thought it was more of a, okay, we've got... The reaction was more of, good, we've got one back, let's go. like We've still got more work to do. And that's kind of how I interpreted the somewhat muted celebration there. But, um, Scott, I don't know what your thoughts on it were.
1: I actually had to go back and look at it, because doing the updates for us, when goals go in, I don't actually get to see the (laughs) celebrations so much anymore. But I went back... To me, I was similar to you. I thought that um, it was more they got the goal back to 2-1 and they were pushing and they wanted to go on with it and try and get the get the equaliser maybe even a third beyond that. So that's what I read into it. I don't think it was... I didn't necessarily see anything that suggested it was an unhappy camp or anything like that. I just thought it was that typical, great, we've got one back. Let's get back to start the start the game once again and get on with it. That's what I read into it, but maybe I'm wrong.
0: No, I... Yeah, I that's the way I kind of saw it as well. It was like, yes, good, got the goal. The job was... Only half done, though, or a third done, depending on what your perspective was.
2: Yeah, I, I thought same. Um, that that yeah, it was a case of you know, it was a frustrating afternoon to that point when nothing seemed to go right. And as long as like, I think it was almost relief more than anything that you know, it's like oh, something's finally going right, and the game is starting to sort of turn back in in the in the favour at least as far as you know, trying to chase down the equaliser, um, which in the end didn't come, but. Uh, yeah it's one of those things. but then again look it, it's um it's fairly interesting that you now i i sort of i understand leon's um sort of perspective that it does seem odd that there was very very little celebration it's not like it's not like Juan Scano had played for the mariners previously and you know, didn't want to celebrate you know it's just whether it's him whether you know it's yeah you, you, yeah i personally think that you know it was a case of yeah job job's only half done we're we're relieved that we're on the board let's go and continue on but look it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if there was something uh, a little bit deeper but then now I'll be reading too much in between the lines at the moment
0: I yeah I think it's possible in the interest of trying to interpret it a little bit more the only other main thought I had because there was a celebration like a little celebration saying okay we've scored that's good but the other angle I kind of took on it was that it's been a really draining week for a lot of these guys as well. What, And I think maybe if you're looking for a possible excuse for the uh, way things unfolded on Saturday, I think it's entirely possible that they were just really, really flat from what had been, for many of them, a rough week. Because the reason they cancelled the victory game on the 25th, the Sunday on the Sunday oh, that's right the one down in Melbourne yeah,
2: yeah for the Monday game yeah the,
0: the reschedule I've lost track of which victory game has been <laughs> rescheduled here and there but anyway like how many of those guys were cut off from their you know from everything and were basically just stuck there going oh, I don't know if my house is going to go under I don't know you know if we can get to the grocery shop um, I know some of the uh, players have stand up paddle boards but I don't think you can really bring a bunch of woolly bags back on that but that's right. Like, there would have been so many other things going on in the last seven days between, you know, when that match was played and the everything just basically going to hell up here. I think it's also possible that maybe they just emotionally didn't have as much to give, Scott. And
1: their preparation was probably affected majorly that we haven't really heard much about. I imagine training over that last seven days would have been. If it happened in early in the week, it would have been. Limited players may not have been able to get there. So I imagine the preparation as well, James, would not have been exactly the way you would have hoped it would be going into to a game. I'm, I'm pretty sure they were training at CUSAC, but whether all the players were there every single day and how many days they trained, I'm not sure. But you have to imagine it would have had an impact.
0: Yeah, so that that's kind of where I'm landing on it. And that's, like, for me, the most obvious thing is job half done, alternative is they were, they were just really spent because... I, I don't know about how you guys have been the last week, but just watching all that stuff going on, it does take it out of you. Like, I, I'm not the most empathetic or sympathetic person in the world, but you spend enough time just watching that sort of stuff, and it does wear you down a little bit, I suppose.
2: Well, that's sort of half the reason why our decision to not not uh, do... do um, obviously, the MPL show is going to be very difficult when there's nothing <laughs> on. There's one game on, but... Uh, but yeah, that was, that was half the decision. Why we decided to postpone because, uh, yeah, you, you just drain watching what's going on. Like, it's almost like almost appropriateness. You know, you know with uh, people go you know, about to lose their homes and whatnot. Now I know, I know we do this, You know, we don't do this for any profit or anything. It's other than for the love of it, but. You know, I think even mentally for us, you know, not not trying to even remotely compare it to what the players are going through, but I think it, there is that mindset that you know it, it is hard to sort of you know to focus and to get to get thing get anything done, you know, and that, that's just, that's for how, sofia for how I feel. Imagine these professional footballers, you know, that you know that the whole prospect of even though the game on Monday was postponed because they just physically couldn't, um, they couldn't you know get. Get away to get get on that flight to Melbourne. Um, that doesn't mean that it, it ends there and life goes on. You know, this this is still this is still a evolving situation. Even as we speak right now, just because the, the floodwaters receded, it doesn't mean it's all it's all over. Especially with the threat of more rain coming, not not anywhere near what you know happened two weeks ago, or even what they're facing in Sydney at the moment. But, you know, it's still going to play on the mind. So I know at the end of the day, that excuse I think goes so far, but you almost got to, in a way, you're right. I think, you know, celebrating, celebrating a goal and all that and, you know, and showing outward emotion, maybe it's a case of they might have something in there to say that, you know, look, they're just probably too drained to do it. It's just been such a, it's just been so mentally taxing that, you know, maybe there's no mood to celebrate. It's like, oh, we've got the job done.
0: Um, yeah, and also I would just, uh, we won't go into depth on this, but uh, Twitter users doing themselves all sorts of, uh, you know, all worlds of good when they uh, were whinging that they should have had the foresight that there was going to be a natural disaster and the Raw should have flown down to Melbourne a couple of days earlier because of what that moronic Melbourne Victory admin called inclement weather. So that's, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, we, we've seen what, his, what
1: he can get up to, so... Yeah, yeah, someone's not, trying. To, not, I won't go into someone's that. Someone's
0: just but, trying to be a bit more, bit of a celebrity in their own when they should know their place. Anyway, Scott,
1: yeah, I won't go into that, but just 15 seconds on the second half of Leon's question. Um, we've seen before Paramount Plus. It does. It's not the first time they haven't interviewed people from both clubs either before, during, after games. It won't be the last. It's just uh, just the way. Unfortunately, sometimes teams and players aren't available. It's just sometimes they're not able to get a hold of somebody to go and go and speak. So. It's just one of those unfortunate situations. I don't think it was planned or anything. It's just the way it panned out.
0: Yeah. And after after a game like that, it's entirely possible that some of the players may just say, I really don't feel like talking. Like it it happens sometimes. Like more so from our uh NPL coverage where you don't really want to speak to a coach after they've had a really frustrating loss. Um all right, now before we move on to the uh, A League women. I would just like to point out, uh, Central Coast just equalised against a victory. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the Raw played a home and home series. inclement
1: defending, James.
0: Yeah, something like that. Maybe they should. Maybe they shouldn't have been uh, so busy sculling milk. Anyway, I um, know. Oh, did what Shrek do? Yeah. Anyway, the uh, Raw played a home and home series against the Jets of Newcastle over the weekend, Friday night down at the number two sports ground because the number one sports ground I think had a cricket pitch on it maybe and uh, then <laughs> no actually correction it was actually the number six sports ground it was Is they, they, they changed they
2: changed it in honour of um, Cass Davis's uh, record breaking feat okay. of 110 but so like, it was the number six sports I liked, ground I like
1: the night. dad jokes they're going to get better over time I hope oh so. dear <laughs> yeah
0: anyway well the number yeah the number whatever it was oh, sports yeah, ground sports it, ground uh, Brisbane 5, Newcastle 1 um, Not really a whole lot we can say about this Other than the Raw Definitely determined to end their season on a high uh, trick for Larissa Crummer Holly Palmer and Anna McGrath Got on the score sheet as well um, The main story I think uh, To come out of the game for us Was the fact that when we saw the team sheet come out We were all a little bit miffed As to why there was no Shay Connors Which led to about 10-15 to 15 minutes Of very fun speculation in our group chat about what had uh happened before we found out she was suspended for accumulation of yellow cards i preferred some of our theories if i'm being honest they were a lot more entertaining than the truth but as That's so classified. Often, as so often is the case fiction always is more entertaining than the truth um oh i just worked out what i forgot to do for the men's game um the three two one player of the year vote so we'll go back to saturday at gosford and adam i believe this is yours uh, yes, it is, actually. Uh, let me just uh, bring it up. Uh, I can
2: tell you, three points, Joe Shea. Head and shoulders, the best player on the ground for the Raw. Uh, two points, two, where is it? Uh, Scott Neville, and one point, Luke Ivanovich
0: There we go. All right, um, now for Friday night, Scott. This is yes. going to be your 3-2-1 three, uh, three, votes.
1: Okay, so my 3-2-1, three, three for Katrina Gorry, two for Larissa Crummer, and one for Anna McGrath.
0: Excellent. Um, yeah, and... W- Also, I think, yeah, the other thing I did just remember about that game as well, Holly Palmer scoring a wonder goal and uh, talking about it in the post-match, saying it was for a grandparent that had recently passed as well. So, always nice when a player is able to have that sort of moment for a family member. I think it was just a a good sight to see uh, Larissa Crummer get amongst
2: the goals again. Um, Obviously, it seems so, the journey from when she... uh, when she pretty much blew up her, her knee um, uh, across the way over at McDonald Jones Stadium about two years prior to that, you know, to, to go back to Newcastle and score a hat-trick. Um, yeah, look, I think that was a, you know, a touching moment, You and know, almost the completion of a journey.
1: For... Absolutely. You mentioned, James, earlier that this home-and-home home series against the Jets of Newcastle hasn't exactly been the most competitive, but from the Raw's perspective, I think the Jets, they've been just limping over the line with a whole host of injuries, and they've... Barely been out of field in 11, so you can understand it from their perspective. But for the Raw, it seems like something changed and after that Adelaide loss where they got absolutely shellacked by them at home. It's been a really good end of the season for them. They went to Melbourne and pretty much ended City's chances of winning the Premiership. Played really well, kept a clean sheet. Now back to back wins, really good wins over Newcastle. We'll see them finish in mid table. They're guaranteed to finish in six. But I'm just what what do, you, what do you reckon has changed, James? Because it just seems like since that moment. The raw have almost said, right. We've got to, we've got to perform up to our level. We've been letting ourselves down, and they seems like they've come out with a real point to prove to me that they're better than what they've shown, particularly better than what they showed against Adelaide. But the last couple of games have been really, really impressive.
0: Uh, for me, and I know this has been a popular uh, topic of discussion all along. Is uh, I think to me it shows like it's an argument for the for the case of uh, the A-League women needs to be a full home and away season because you look at what has been essentially a new side. Yes, they are somewhat familiar with one another through the um, through the uh, NPL clubs that they all play for and spending a lot of time together through that. However, it does also kind of suggest that maybe they, like, it, they took a little while to just gel as a team and that... To me, says maybe, you know, if they had of had of had that time to come together, maybe they would have been able to finish with a wet sail. And, you know, you never know. Get into the finals, cause a little bit of havoc. But, um, yeah, maybe it was just the team clicking uh, too late in the season, Adam. Um, look for for me, I actually think the change has been that sometimes you 've got to hit
2: rock bottom and you 've actually got to see some home truths before you actually realize that you know it 's not just automatic you know like i said the, you know a the, the lot of the losses earlier in the season were you know are oh, ninety minute, minute capitulations or you know, anything like that like that adelaide game we, we we were there and they were beaten from minute one in fact i 'd almost go and say that they were beaten before the before the lineup. So, um, to, I think, and then sometimes I think you need to actually hit rock bottom to show that, you know what, you can't take what you've got for granted. And I think from then, I think they've almost been you know, they were so embarrassed by, that, by the performance that, you know, and I mean this in, a good, in, a, in a good complimentary way, that it, the, the shock of it has actually seen them come out and, you know, and actually show what they can do. And, you know, like I said, to, to, they, they pretty much can say that they cost Melbourne City the Premiership. As as it turned out, so that, that's a big that's a big statement as well. And then you know, obviously, you know, back to back wins against Newcastle, and makes it they even though Newcastle have got their own circumstances and how how that situation's been allowed allowed to that you know Newcastle have only really been allowed only allowed to have fourteen players in their travelling squad or even at, even at home for so many games. I think I think it's another topic for another day. But I think since then, I think but they've been but the raw have been. You know, so much better in both those games that you know you'd think that they could probably you know, beat almost anyone at the moment
0: for sure and um, just on that quickly Scott I will say as well on the 4-0 win at the James Drysdale reserve up at Pine Hills on Monday um, I, I think the Jets were probably already in holiday mode by that point and quite frankly I don't blame them
1: no neither do I to be honest given the way that their season ended but there is a lot of positives that Gareth McPherson can take out. so i might talk about them more next week on the show when we do our season recap but Two clean sheets out of three is really impressive. For a, for a defence which has got Bella Shuttleworth in goal, who probably started the year as third-choice goalkeeper, thinking, I'm going to train with the Raw over pre- over the summer as almost a pre-season for, my, for herself going into the NPL women's with Morton Bay, but ended up doing a really good job since so she's got the opportunity. Then you've got Haffenden and Rankin ahead of her. That's a pretty young defensive, like, centre of defence there, James. They've all still done really well, that trio, since they've been together playing the last couple of games so that's one positive that Gareth can take out of it and there's plenty of others as well that you can find over the last couple of games and and hopefully they can finish it off with a good performance on Thursday against Canberra.
0: And just on that central defensive pairing as well they didn't start uh, those two as their first choice um, as a first choice Jamila Rankin has basically shifted in one to learn how to play uh, centre-back this season Um, I think by the sounds of it, try and boost the Matilda's chances. But as you said, Scott, plenty of positives for Gareth McPherson to take, and uh, this is what he had to say to Adam after the match on Monday
2: Gareth, congratulations, three straight wins now for the uh, goals. Do you feel like um, all of a sudden it's starting to click?
3: Yes, we, yeah, it, we, uh, I, we've, we've been in so many games this season, and uh, I really just feel it's, it's the experience the squad have, have gained. And it's a credit to how quickly they learn. There's been so many players make their debuts this year for the club after uh, the long-time servants have gone off into other leagues across the world, and it was always going to take a while for them to learn how to win at this level and, and how to see out games. So it's nice to, in the last three, to um, to have done that.
2: Obviously, uh, change of venue here for the... Um, obviously, on a few hours' notice. Yes. Did that change um, any of the sort of game plans or... It's, you know, pretty instructive what the girls have to do. Uh,
3: first and foremost, probably a big shout-out to Pine Hills for getting us out here. Um, when those storms came through again yesterday, uh, we really didn't know what was going to happen, and a credit to uh, Shane and, and Dave and the, um, the people running um, the, the programs, how quickly they were able to find us a venue. It would have been an absolute uh, crazy uh, 24 hours for them, so... Um, a big thank you to Pine Hills and, and to the club for getting the game on because there, there is just no time left. If we wanted to play yeah. it, in terms of game plan, uh, I, I played in the local leagues in Brisbane, and I remember coming out to the Jinka track, and there was always the try and run, try and run uphill in the first half, so you can run downhill in the second half. We actually spoke about that before the game, and we lost the toss, and we ended up the opposite to that. So I'm glad we got the four goals running downhill. Um, Outside of that, probably not so much with the game me. It's been such a crazy year.
2: Obviously, you spoke about the four goals, but the uh, you must be pleased with the zero at the yeah. other end. Um, Defence, obviously, yep. with um, Bella, and obviously the combination in the middle,
3: with Jamila and uh, Annie Haffenden. Yeah, yeah, two two great young centre backs, and and they they've built a, a really good partnership back there. I they're growing in confidence. Um, and that's now, like I said, it's um, two clean sheets in the three for them. And since Bella's come in, uh, she's had a she's had a, a cracking kind of run of three games. Um, but. It's probably not just so much the work of the centre-backs and the, the goalkeeper. They're, they're contributing a lot, but the organisation and discipline from everyone in front of them to limit moments that they actually have to defend or protect goal-scoring areas has has helped them as well. Um, so, yeah.
2: And obviously, uh, Katrina Gorry in the middle there, pretty much you know running the side. Is um, it good to see, obviously, Larissa Cromer and yep. uh, Shay Connors go on the sheet more frequently in the last couple of games. Yeah.
3: Yep. Um, if... I everyone's working hard and, and Larissa and Shea all of our scorers have uh, been relentless in their pursuit just to get better. And it was it was really it was a really lovely moment on uh, Thursday night when Larissa got her hat trick. She's been working so hard um, to do that and again a lovely finish tonight. when I mean, she probably only had the one chance tonight. Um, and took it. So it's it's great to see us scoring goals again and same with same with Shay back in and back on the score sheet. So, uh, just near and lady coming in off the bench yep. as well. I mean a nice opportunity at the back end of the season to, to give some minutes to them. Absolutely. They they've been training and training and training and um, they've had some opportunities at times, perhaps games in the moments we've had we haven't made the changes we, we would have liked to have, but opportunities like tonight build their experience. Uh, they're probably also uh, at the at the mercy of our wonderful high performance and medical team, who've just kept everyone fit. Like we just haven't had injuries, so they have. They've been uh, they've been they've disciplined, positive, training hard. So it's nice to give them some time on the pitch.
0: Anyway, best of luck uh, Thursday okay. night. Hopefully four straight.
3: Yeah, back up again.
0: Can't
1: thanks,
3: Gareth. Thank
1: well, you.
0: Thanks, man. All right. So that was Gareth McPherson up at Pine Hills and. Uh, yeah, I've uh, only got a couple of other little things to say for this game. It was over by half time. Um, you know the couple, the there was one big discussion point which we'll get to in a second. Um, but two things I really wanted to um, yeah mention were yeah the Jets clearly in holiday mode. They probably would have happily taken the three 0 loss on forfeit if they had the opportunity to just save the trip up. Um, I and, had to. Yeah. And just, uh, I know we've had our opinions on some of the uh, broadcasts so far this season, but the guy who was calling the game with Georgie Omandale and Georgie Omendale too, I thought that was actually one of the better commentary pairings we've heard on Paramount Plus this season as well. And going bigger picture, like the two, like two of the better um, calls we've heard on the women's game so far have been Russell something or other, I think it Phillipen, was. I think- Feldman, Feldman, yeah, and um, Daniel Garb when he did the uh, Raw Wellington game, I thought that they were two of the better uh, broadcasting efforts we've heard so far, especially with Garby getting the call up last minute.
2: Yeah, um, obviously I didn't hear the call on um, on Monday because I was at the ground. So, um, but uh, but yeah, look, it, it's it's good to see that you know that the obviously with a game that you know I guess didn't have any uh so, for lack of a better term, finals implications that, you know, that, that, you know new opportunities are, are coming for, you know, for, for broadcasters around the country at the moment. And at the end of the day, um, the, more, the more the better, you know, as long as that, you know, they're coherent and, you know, and actually know the game. You know what, having a bigger pool of commentators, you know, who may not necessarily be national household names as far as, you know, onto the, uh, you yeah, know, as far as, uh, as James is putting his hand up for the next generation. Adam said coherent. But,
1: <laughs> I thought but you were uh, going to go yeah, with Noise again. Uh,
2: look, more more power to him, that, you know, obviously, um, and hopefully, if, uh, Russell has some confidence going that. And, you know, they did that, he did a very, very good job, at least from what you guys tell me.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was thoroughly enjoyable. And, yeah, I, I, I don't know how much uh, notice there was given to that game, but, yeah, it was, certainly was uh, interesting. Now, the reason it was played at James Drysdale Reserve is uh, something that we've touched on a bit here and there uh, so far in this show. But the main fo- main reason is uh, the game was supposed to be played at Parc de Paris, but it hadn't actually recovered from going underwater a couple of weeks ago. So on short notice, um, the raw had to basically just find a suitable venue. And Pine Hills was one of the few places it was deemed to be playable um, in the time being not that that was good enough uh, for some of the people in the audience Scott
1: no there was a bit of complaint about the choice of venue I mean, I was, as we talked about earlier we might talk about later on as well There's, I reckon there'd be about a handful of playable grounds across South East Queensland and not all of those would be up to the standard that James Dryasdale or James Day or Reserve is so I imagine it was probably the best available option that they had I will say it is the 13th different venue that all women have played at across southeast Queensland 14th 14th, it's one of the two. Either way, I've forgotten. But some of the more obvious ones that they've played in the past that people might think of were ruled out. So places like Lions, they, they posted on their socials on Monday, their ground is closed. So I'll take them at their word, their ground's unavailable. Obviously, you mentioned Park de Perry, that's where it was meant to be played. That was ruled out. Goodwin Park, where the rule Women have played a couple of games previously in the, in the old W League, that was underwater last week. So that's obviously out. Spencer Park, exactly the same case. So I'm not sure where these venues are that are of the right standard to play. I don't know if Morton league Stadium was an option or not, but if that wasn't an option, then where else are they meant to play the game? It had to be played. There was no way they could postpone this game any further, James. The season is over. Basically, the A-League Women's season is over and they are all have to play these two games this week before the finals as catch-up games. They've got no what no time to do this. If the, This was a month ago. Sure, you could postpone it and play it somewhere else, but they're out of time. They had to find the best available ground, James. And if James Strides' reserve was the best they could find, then that's what they had to play at. And it looked good. Adam could talk more about because he was there. He took talk about the atmosphere and the way it felt in ground, which I think is always better to judge when you're there. But it seemed fine watching on television. Although it, I will admit it's not the most professional looking setup by A League Women's standards, but as a by any means necessary, this game has to be played it was a perfectly fine solution to me
0: look i we you know don't get any inside information uh really because well why would you but uh, i'm going to guess the uh paraphrasing line from the apl was i don't care if you got to play it at a train station in gundawindi play the damn game today because there was no option really to extend it Extend uh, the season out beyond what it already has And you've got to remember The Raw will have one more catch up game coming up Tomorrow, Thursday, as we're recording uh, Which basically means That they couldn't even move it to Tuesday In fact, what they had to do, Adam Was uh, move the kickoff Forward to 4.15, I believe Because of the uh, lights at James Drysdale Reserve not being Up to the Nighttime streaming quality Broadcast
2: The... Um... James Drysdale Reserve. Um, Look, as a community club, it's probably gonna be, is one of the better clubs in. It's in, a great um, spot. Yeah, in 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 metro in metro Brisbane, I think that there's there's no question about that. Um, but the, the lighting is in, insufficient to play a night game. Hence the reason why the kickoff is at four fifteen. From what I heard, and obviously I was at the ground, and I heard that you know the Raw, basically, um, basically the decision was made um on Sunday night they couldn't play at, at Park de Pri. and that was more because of the storm that that rolled through on Sunday night um whether it would have been playable anyway that would that was touch and go but the storm that rolled through um Sunday night it just pretty much that that buried any hope so literally the raw had about five hours um to pretty much you know move that venue from from Perry Park and go to James Drysdale Reserve uh, which I think, to, to be honest, I think they deserve credit for it because we're not talking about, oh, it's the 11th hour. It's 12:01, and, and, and as, as Scott said, this is not, an, it's not about, oh, you know, there, there was no room to move. It had to be played on Monday so I can play the game on Thursday. So you no, know, again, you know, it may not be the whole, you know, professional self And there was sort of accusations that, oh, oh, what would happen if the men, if this is the men's situation? Well we're in uncharted territory, this is, I don't think this has ever happened before where you've actually played a league game in the week of a finals. Thankfully this is two sides that are not featuring finals football, but you still got to play for the integrity of the competition. So if the worst thing that happened was, oh, that, that apparently that there's no toilets inside the dressing room, but you actually have to leave the dressing room and go to, to a separate toilet area. And also as well that oh that that there's training on other fields is you know, unprofessional. Well, you know, so be it. I said we're not it's not a case of you had any options. You know, and also as well from a community aspect, I thought I thought it was wonderful. You know, seeing, you know, the Raw actually take a game to a community based club, I'm, without dividing too many figures. I know that Point Hills as a club at least benefit from having that game on, on short notice. And they will again tomorrow. So if you're going to start begrudging clubs for making money because, you know, the Raw actually took one of the games as opposed to the alternative of, perhaps, oh, they going to CUSAC and lock it behind closed doors. Yeah, that might be alright for the men, but I think the women's game is more about community. I think it actually looks like community. You know, I just think be careful what you wish for for all these, you know, these people that are bagging on saying, oh, we need to be a like, bit like more the men. So I think you can actually lose the essence and spirit. Of the of the game, if you start treating your women's players like your men, where basically you know, any time that it's not a professional setup, you lock them behind closed doors in a big empty stadium, because t- that would would have been that would have been Plan C. I reckon that if Pine Hills didn't come through, I reckon they'll go into cusack and they'll play behind closed
1: doors. I'll tell you what happens, James, when it happens in A-League men's competition, because it happened actually in the, for the Raw in North Queens and North Queensland Fury back in 2010-11 when they had a big cyclone up there in North Queensland, and their final ever home game actually, was played on the Gold Coast in front of 997 people and it was basically North, North Queensland Fury against Brisbane Roar at Seabus Stadium and that was what they did on the final week of the regular season because again, they had, to, they had to play the game. They had no time to push it back. There was nowhere in North Queensland they could play the game so they shifted it to to Brisbane. And I'm sure shifting the games to Canberra and Newcastle... To the Gold might, Coast. Sorry, to Gold Coast. Sorry, but yeah, keep it neutral, but... I'm sure shifting the games would have been considered a possibility, but at the moment, the Raw, they want to play these games here in Quincy because they've made a big push about community and supporting the football community on the back of what's happened up here. So they would have wanted the two games here. They found a place to play it. Great. And it, yeah. it, it looked like a great community afternoon out there, and I'm sure, that we, I'm sure the young girls of, of Pine Hills will, will in, would have enjoyed the fact that the Raw were there there and they got the chance to see them play up close and personal. I'm sure they really enjoyed that.
0: Well, you saw after the game as well, the photos going around of the players just mm. meeting the junior players from Pine Hills. And on that as well, like, that's the big non-negotiable you cannot forget is the fact that though the game had to be played Monday. It, and it, there was no option to say, oh, let's just move it back 24 hours, maybe see what happens. Now, yes, there were other venues that potentially... Could have uh, could have held it. You know, we know Lions hosted that friendly against the Solomon Islands on Tuesday night, but like, there's no reason to say, like, there's no obligation for any of these clubs to say, "Oh yeah, we'll help the Roar out as well," especially on yeah. what 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 would have been at most ten hours' notice. I'm guessing. If the Roar, the, I just want to jump in there. The Roar have no right to requisition a ground anywhere
2: in That's it. anywhere yeah. to say, "Oh, we've got a game to play." we're going to play at your ground. It's still a negotiation with those grounds. I don't know where people get off thinking, oh, you know, oh, the Raw should play here. The Raw should play there. Well, hang on. The Raw actually have to abide by the rules of business. And you know what? And it's a case of, well, that, that was the best option left.
0: Yeah. And just on that as well, like, what was a really, really bad look was seeing Sam Lewis retweeting a possibly current or definitely Recently uh, employed person uh, who worked for FQ bagging out the facilities of a ground, uh, a club that plays in a competition that's managed by FQ. It's tone deaf at the very least and there's got to be some sort of malicious intent in there at worst. And let's not forget, if you're working for Football Queensland and you're bagging out the clubs on Twitter, that's, like, that really means, that to me explains why there's such a big gap between the relationships that some of these clubs have with the governing body and you know that a lot of them will see those remarks being made public and that that's just an awful look if i'm being completely honest and something that really i i hope is getting dealt with
1: yeah i can't add anything more to that to james one last thing for me on this is um there's been a discussion so so long in, in southeast queensland football about facilities the game is crying out for additional facilities, and this is another example. As good as the facilities are up there at James Jobs, I'm looking forward to getting there tomorrow and actually seeing them in person. I've never been there at all, so I'm looking forward to that. But it's another example of the game is crying out for more facilities, better facilities, upgraded facilities, and and this is another example of it, James. Potentially.
0: Yeah, and the the final thought I will make on that as well is like I've been out to Pine Hills for a FFA Cup game in 2021. It, it's uh, it is a uh, for the level that they play in, and you know they're obviously hoping to go higher, I would assume. But the facilities there are excellent by local club standards as well. And yeah, there are a few, few things that probably would need to be upgraded the higher up they go. But again, when it's literally a last minute sort of, um, last minute sort of, um, a solution. Where the game had to be played, and you literally are just trying to find a space that can host the broadcast as well, because we've also seen uh, some issues last week where games weren't broad, where a game wasn't shown live because it was moved last minute due to the weather. I I think all things considered, it actually came out about as well as you know they could have hoped for, and you know if we're seeing this happen next year, then by all means, we'll join the pile on. But for the time being, there's really not a whole lot you can say. Now, Scott, you, the final thoughts. Oh, oh, Adam, yeah. Last oh, sorry, thought.
2: just have just one one, just completely final point on that. At the end of the day, the, um, F, yeah, FA Football Australia through their match commissioner signed off on the match, and said the field, the, the the facilities were fine. What's the problem?
0: Yeah,
2: I'll, I'll end it at that.
0: Yeah, that's it. And I think there was a little bit of flexibility displayed by all parties because, you know, and that to me some, is probably the more important takeaway than, oh, maybe they had to walk through a couple of people to get to where they needed to be. So
1: if they were going to try and play all their home games there, James, that would be a problem.
0: Yeah. With a, in that
2: as, setup. As, a, as yes. a
1: last minute solution, it's, it's fine.
2: Yeah. That seems to be the problem in in this sport. Sometimes there's too many people that can pick out the problems, and not enough people come up with solutions. So again, I, my hats off to um, to Brisbane Rawford and Pine Hills for getting the job done and getting the game
0: played, you know, on Monday and as well as tomorrow. Yeah, and there's a lot we could continue to say about that, but uh, and just about what an absolute mess just getting everything done this season has been for those uh, involved and. You know, there was actually a good article by Simon Hill um, as part of his global game show on SEN that we might have to uh, bookmark for next week's show, I think, because I do want to get into some of the points that were raised there as well as a couple of the Joey Lynch articles on the uh, National Second League and the domestic transfer system. But, well, quite frankly, I want to finish this up and go for a run. So I will just leave you with my 3-2-1 votes for um, that match. And it will be Katrina Gory three points, two points for Mariel Hecker, one point for each Nori. and uh, Adam. Yep. We do have a winner for the Brisbane Football Review A League Women's Player of the Year. Do we want to announce it now, or save it till uh, tomorrow when you can present the award to the winner?
2: Uh, well, let's let's save it till tomorrow. But we we have got a winner. It is uh, that that has been declared. But uh, look. Keep an eye out on our socials tomorrow and we will present the winning player, the uh, the gorgeous uh, br- Brisbane Football Review Player of the Year. Well, I'm actually quite proud of the, the trophy, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it in the hands of the winner as well. Now, uh, what, what we didn't get to discuss last week because there was no show is the fact that uh, the opening three rounds of the Football Queensland Seasons... Um, have been postponed say for one game which took place up in Mackay with a very familiar voice on commentary uh, as Magpies Crusaders went down to Brisbane Strikers and uh, yeah that was actually Well, I'll, I'll just allow me a little bit of self-indulgence first that was the fourth straight year I've worked on the f- uh, Football Foundation Cup and or season opener broadcast for FQ as well so the
1: game was good wasn't it Adam? The game itself was good.
0: It was.
2: <laughs> yeah. But... Oh yeah I, the, yeah, I had the commentary on uh, the volume on low, but yeah, look, the action was. Pretty you and good, everyone yeah. else. <laughs> 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 no, 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 I did listen to to it. Uh, the commentary was pretty good, but uh, yeah, look, uh, very, very interesting um, statement from Bristol Strikers. We thought maybe that uh, that you know life in FQPL one may be just a little bit tougher than what a lot of people may have been suggesting them coming down from MPL, but um, a fair statement to, to uh, knock over one of the favourites at home, um, you know, and on the, on the road. So, um, yeah, look, maybe, maybe we've um, underestimated strikers as far as, you know, what they can do. But uh, then again, it's one, it's one game, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the rest of the league, uh, come out and play in a couple of weeks time.
0: Yeah. And that's probably the big takeaway I had from that game as well. Like, Strikers—they're one of the teams that are looking to, you know, push for promotion this season. They've signed players to give themselves a fantastic chance of uh, moving up, and well, I, I think it showed that at least based on that ninety minutes, it really was an empty rhetoric. They've signed guys who can go and get the uh, job done. Jordan Farina, operating a little bit deeper than I expected him um, to, but he—he he was running the show and couple of uh, worldly goals as well, Scott.
1: Yeah, there were a couple of contenders a goal the season, In so far the only game played. Firstly, Jordan Freena cut that Ronaldo celebration out Mate, you you better than that. <laughs> Much better than that. Don't, don't bring that back to the table again, please. That was horrendous. But the strikers were pretty good. But for Magpies, I, I, it's almost like, for them, I think it's a bit of a wake-up call in terms of where they're at, because I think they probably thought they would be one of the teams who would be a genuine contender, and they looked a little bit off the pace. They got better as the game went on. But at the start of the game, it looked like, first up in particular, they looked like they were a little bit off the pace. So, for them, it might be a bit of a wake-up call, but who knows when the season begins in, hopefully, a week and a half, two weeks' time, potentially. James will have to see where it all begins to shake out. But I'm just intriguing on that point. I mean, how many grounds you think are going to be out unav- of unavailable in two weeks' time when the season does resume? Because I have to imagine at least a couple won't be able to be used at night-time at the very least, because there's some serious electrical work to be done on some of those some of those grounds
0: as our producer just chimes in in the background he's also saying
1: it's going to be a good couple of weeks so I heard thanks for that Tom
0: yes but uh, on that as well that was actually the uh, perfect segue into the uh, follow-up so we know the first three weekends have been um, postponed until further notice there was um, so the earliest I think we're going to be seeing games will be the weekend of uh, March 19th and the Uh, have been some other games well round one has been rescheduled by the looks of things for uh the 22nd and 23rd of march so that'll be a tuesday and wednesday night combination however i kind of can't really see how that's going to be feasible just looking at some of the let's be honest substantial damage that a lot of these clubs have found just talking about they're saying it'll be a like, it could be a month maybe even two before some of these clubs are able to just get back get players back on their main fields Adam yeah um,
2: I, I think it's a case of I think this is where football Queensland needs to sit down and be smart about their fixturing you know maybe you know I guess the advantage of having you know, you know you play each other home in a way is that you can probably switch fixtures around you know you know make that may, it may be a case of where you might have anomalies where some clubs you know are gonna you know open the season with you know maybe three or four home games because their their pitch survived but uh, where some of these other clubs who whose pitches are underwater or sustained you know massive damage that they may they may be on the road for for a while while they sort of sort, sort that out so um yeah and even and that's a good point I didn't consider that Scott made that you know you know how, how many of these clubs you know have been able to get the electrician out there to 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 fix their their electrical problems you know i can't imagine that you know obviously as as the cleanup goes on that that will come on the line but um but yeah there, there are going to be infra- infrastructurally there's going to be problems you know getting the league back up and running you know normally i think there's going to be a lot of concessions that need to be made a bit of you know fixer juggling i hope that football queensland are onto that i know them themselves uh, may mainly just be getting back to the offices after meek and park and they're everywhere underwater. As well, so, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a case of, yeah, the, the girl, I think it's a case of just going to be patient, and, you know, and I think concessions are going to be made just to get the season back up and running.
0: Just one quick point before we go to you, Scott, as well. This is hopefully similar to what, well, we haven't seen with a lot of uh, fans of the A-Leagues, men's and women's. You would hope that there's a little bit of common sense and understanding from the bodies involved saying, yeah, all right, we may have to host games 3, 4, 5 weeks in a row or maybe go on an extended road trip and just grin and bear it to tr- just get this season back
1: underway. Common sense and creative thinking as well James and one idea that just literally popped in my head right now was Raw have got 3 home games in the month of March, correct? it yep. play, play an NPL game ahead of the A-League. They've got two sets of change rooms there at, at Moreton Stadium. Doubleheaders are possible. Do you want to showcase local football and have an opportunity to... Uh, to allow these clubs to promote themselves and maybe get some get some revenue, maybe consider something like that for some of these clubs have been greatly affected. Just yeah, a, just yeah neutral,
2: neutral venues. I was just thinking the same thing, just Scott. A thought, that, that it may yeah. have to
1: come to that. That sort of that sort of thinking.
0: Yeah, it, it could. And you know, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of uh, creativity there. So, the uh, dates that we're looking at at the moment, just reading the um, competitions calendar that they put out a while ago, uh, the they've got friendlies uh permitted with the appropriate paperwork for the weekend of march 11 12 13 round four was scheduled to be uh match week uh was supposed to be 18th 19th 20th of march that's by the sounds of things the earliest we will be seeing games i would have to go and look up the fixture list to work out who is playing who and when and whatnot and what games will be there but You would think, again, just going off what we've seen on the socials, off the top of my head for the NPL uh, men's clubs, you're going to have Brisbane City, Easts, uh, Palabar. Olympic. Olympic, They're all clubs that I cannot see being able to host uh, matches early on. We know Lions will be able to, based on the fact that they hosted that friendly last night, uh, Solomon Islands 4-2, I think it was, with uh, the voice of uh, Queensland football, Simon Smale, in commentary. And then we also had um, what, what what else was it? Um, yeah, so I think,
2: uh, Gold Coast Knights are okay. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, I think um, Gold Coast United might be might have got out unscathed as well. I I did see a bit of water on there, but uh, maybe uh, the folks down there could uh, give us an update. But um, based you know, on, I think
0: I was gonna say based yeah. on what I saw on their uh, socials, it was a case. I think even they were surprised that the damage wasn't anywhere near as bad as it has been at some of the other clubs. I think they just had a bit of mud roll through the um, change rooms, which it sounds like might have already been yeah. possibly cleaned up. So there's three clubs that can host uh, fixtures.
1: Well, they might be able to host Powell, okay. East and Brisbane City and these sort of clubs, James, during the day. But yeah. I, that would be the limit to be really what they could... I can't imagine those clubs are anywhere near to the point of getting electricians out yet, but maybe I'm wrong.
0: And I suppose... <laughs> We uh, we could keep going on this for quite a while, but we will uh, pull up stumps eventually. Uh, and it's just say as well, it's not even just the like the lighting and everything as well. It's the change rooms. It's you know the referees' rooms, even the canteen and stuff. Just being able to have a proper match day at the club as well. That's something that I think is probably going to have to be worked on um, going forward as well before they're actually able to. Host a, host a competitive fixtures So there is a long road to recovery as well And as we said right from the start of the show I think you're probably going to have to um, You know, keep an eye on the fixtures Probably see a few things getting juggled here and there And when there is a game that you want to watch Again, as much as I would love to say Tune into the streams that I'm uh, going to be commentating on Better to get out and see the matches in person as well um, Support the clubs go to the canteen, if there is an admission fee, you know, chip in the five bucks or two bucks or whatever it's going to be, and uh, yeah, do what you can to support those clubs and say get back, because we have seen some fairly astonishing uh, damage bills put out there by some of the clubs too.
1: And a heck of a commentator's uh, in person as well. That's what
0: we like to do. <laughs> and also as well, I think it's probably a good time as well
2: to, uh, to sort of uh, point out that... Um, Obviously, starting with the game at Morton Data Stadium on Saturday night, that you know, obviously, you know, they've got the, the Brisbane Roar have got a, a flood appeal for all the clubs in partnership with the Australian Sports Foundation, where all, all proceeds will go to will be divided up equally amongst the clubs and uh, and divided through. But also, as well on top of that, um, clubs like Brisbane City, Mitchelton and East, who have been very hard hard hit. As well, they've they've all got their own separate you know GoFundMe pages as well, you know. And if you can give to any of those, you know, any any amount, um, I think that, I think that will go a long way in helping those clubs or in general. You know, you know, do what you can to help. I think again we we talked about at the top of the show, but I think it's so important for the lifeblood of um, of Queensland football, not just NPL This goes right down the pyramid as well. Um, I think it's also important to say, you know, even you know, seeing like Opperman Park go you know, for Bethania um, that being underwater, you know, it's clubs like that, even the grassroots clubs that need, need help, not just, yeah. you know, the more publicised clubs, and also as well, I know some of the Sunshine Coast Clubs as well got hit pretty hard as well, so, you know, across the region, um, it's not just the big clubs, I think all, a lot of clubs that were affected, um, I think,
1: yeah, do what you can to help. That's why I said, when, spo- when I said support your local club, I don't necessarily mean go to MPL clubs, support your what? local club. Whatever that local club view is, go support them because every club up and down the Premier are definitely going to need support at some level, James.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. And, um, yeah, speaking of uh, Bethania uh, Rams as well, um, we should probably touch on uh, their head coach as well, Ramad Akbari, who, oh, he's also a first-team player for the Brisbane Roar and the A-League men, and it sounds like he's going to be an Afghanistan national team representative in the very near future. So, uh, very awesome uh news for akbari and his brother bez was part of that uh, striker's side that went up to Mackay and just doing some uh background for that they've got possibly one of the most interesting uh family setups in southeast queensland football and there might be some more on that to come later on um the other story as well is uh good news a national team is coming to uh queensland to play in queensland guys is that exciting
2: uh, yeah, but that's um,
0: no, well. It's not all good news. Okay. it's a friendly, and we all know my thoughts on international friendlies. Whether it's the Socceroos, the Matildas, the Joeys, I think they're wonderful entertainment for about nine and a half minutes.
1: <laughs> I could see uh, you make a joke, James, about how the the, the footballs have once again found a way to avoid playing a game in Southeast Queensland, but up there in North Queensland, they've never had the fo- or men's foot, men's or women's national team play in towns. Also. Can- it's great for those people up there it'll be a great statement a great occasion it's not often that you get major events up there in north queensland and i'm sure it'll be very well supported and it's a great opportunity for our regional center to see the national team in action and it'll be a bit of a culture shock for the players they're going from the heat and humidity of of townsville james to that, back down to the nation's capital where <laughs> it'll be getting a bit cooler so it'll be a bit of an acclimatation acclimatization required but it's great news for a very rich nursery of football up there in Townsville to, to be able to see the national team play next month.
0: Definitely. Um, it is the Matildas of course playing the football ferns of New Zealand up at Jonathan Thurston Stadium in Townsville or as it's otherwise known Queensland Country Bank Stadium. That is April 8th. I I go with Jonathan Thurston Stadium. The house that JT built. Yep. And Literally. The, How did <laughs> that
1: stadium but by, by the way guys, goes? Talking to two Broncos fans what happened?
0: So H- he... Uh, state of origin exploits moving on that's
1: Um. right that must be what it is
0: (laughs) All right. Um, now there is a lot more we could uh, touch on but because we have been going for almost an hour and 20 minutes in our supersized uh, return to recording we will just finish up with uh, what's coming up this weekend now there are only a couple of fixtures for you to take in Thursday the Royal Women are back at James Drysdale Reserve to finish their season against Canberra Uh, it's a 4.15pm kickoff action on paramount plus and um honestly the only thing that's really worth well the two things worth watching in that game first of all the raw's flood appeal which i think i just saw the raw put out it's a gold coin donation uh to come and watch them in action and all funds from that are going to the give it uh fundraising appeal for uh flood relief and also the second thing to keep an eye on is uh adam and or Scott presenting the trophy to the Brisbane Football Review A-League Women's Player of the Year.
2: Well, that will be Adam's
1: responsibility, but go ahead.
2: I was just saying, the third thing would be that if the sun is shining, that you know, Scott and I are getting a suntan.
1: On a more serious note, James, <laughs> this, this is also potentially the last game we'll see Katrina Gorry wear a Brisbane Roar, so we don't know if she will come back to the club mm. at any point in the future. been a great player for the Brisbane Roar and it may very well be the last chance, at least for will get the chance to see her, so it's a good opportunity to go out there and see one of one of the Matildas greats and one of the Brisbane Royal greats in action so I encourage people to take that opportunity up
0: yes I will be uh, tuning in from home as I continue uh, Tom's football education so well all, all I'll say is right now he is 2-0 watching the Raw Women so that really says all you need to about his uh, plans ah. going forward the record for the uh, rural Men hopefully will level out this Saturday as well <laughs> all right um, and the raw men are in action this Saturday at Morton Daly Stadium it is a 405 kickoff Queensland time and that should be another interesting game as we'll wait and see if their home form can actually continue when the raw take on the Wellington Phoenix of Wollongong Scott.
1: Uh, yeah, the raw will win this game and I won't not to, they'll win this game purely yeah. on the back of the emo- the emotion of the flood appeal and all the rest of it I hope there's a big crowd out there I know the raw done everything they can to promote it trying to get support and tickets to the clubs who have been most greatly affected hopefully it's a big crowd and I'm sure the Royal will want to pull on a big performance at home and I think they'll win this game pretty comfortably James
0: and also one last point on that as well for all of the complaints about not knowing when games are on like it like it, this is one of those games that was in place at the start of the season it hasn't been changed it's not that hard to look up anywhere online you can go to this wonderful website it's called Google and you can look up when the Brisbane Royal are playing or maybe following that keep up
1: okay, that is a good website Google the other one not so much
0: <laughs> yeah uh, or Flash Score which I always uh, use as well there's no excuses to not know that this game is on so that that's all I'm going to leave it at and I think that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review thank you Scott
1: thank you James let's quickly shout out soon good luck to Solomon Islands who have been in Queensland for the last week playing against Aurora Academy Caboolture and, and Lions 3 wins so they now head off to Qatar for their World Cup qualifiers. great to see them here in South East Queensland and we wish them all the best and get back to diaper changes, James. I expect you to be an expert in no time.
0: Thank you, Adam. Yep, thank you, gentlemen. And thank you, Tom, as well. Yeah, nothing. All right, we'll we'll work on his uh, microphone manners.
1: Silence means we did a good show, right?
0: Something like that, yeah. We'll check his nappy and see what he really thought of it. And on that note, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back with a whole lot more to recap next week.